liquid staking might be, let's say, the new cool kid on the block, so to say. I, I don't expect in the next talent of the year that magic will happen, right? When it comes to Cosmos, I think what they really praise is the good documentation. And even though we have a lot of chaos, right, and political discussions maybe uh, going on, the community is very active. Luganotes was born out of a program that is called Plan B. Welcome to the Bare Metal Podcast. Hello everyone, this is Ship the Code from Rockaway X at the Bare Metal Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I've got Max here from Luganotes. Welcome, Max. Hi, Martin. Thanks for having us. So Luganotes is a particular kind of validator. Uh, can you tell us where the, where the name comes from? Why are you calling yourself Luganotes? Yeah, absolutely. So to kick off, uh, Luganotes is a, uh, we are Swiss-operated, institutional-grade, non-custodial staking and infrastructure provider. And uh, Luga Notes was born out of a, a program that is called Plan B, which is an initiative driven by the city of Lugano. That's why the name Luga Notes. And Lugano is a city in uh, South Switzerland, close to the Italian border. And the special thing about Lugano is that it is very crypto friendly. I mean, there's um, there are not many, still not many jurisdictions, right? Especially from from the public entities that are pushing crypto, right? And Lugano is uh, one of the few ones. And uh, Lugano Plan B, this is an initiative driven by the city in collaboration, for example, also with Teva and also with Polygon. And the uh, the goal is to accelerate crypto and uh, blockchain and Bitcoin in general the adoption. And they do it by having allocated 100 million Swiss francs into this Plan B summer school, from which Luga, uh, from which Luga Notes as a first startup was born out of uh, about 13 months ago. And they also allocate, um, for example, um, grants to um, develop uh, payment systems, crypto-based uh, crypto payment systems. And it goes as far as that the city Lugano has its own stablecoin called Luga that you can use across the city, across 200 merchants to pay basically for your coffee and your, and your lunch. So I think this is super, super interesting and super bullish for crypto. That's, that's amazing to hear. Where, which blockchain does Luga live on? Um, it lives on Polygon, but That's also um, they accept other coins, um, uh, USDT, for example, and Bitcoin. And this is just the beginning. So these three are accepted. Again, 200 merchants already accepted across the city. It's a 60,000 inhabitant city, approximately very beautiful in the lake, in the, uh, close to the, Luga, uh, to the Lugano Lake, but also um, covered by mountains. So beautiful place and very, again, very crypto friendly. So Lugano, uh, we should definitely keep an eye on. Uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. A city with it accepts, uh, you know, crypto with merchants and is trying to is trying to support it. That's uh, you know never heard of that. It's totally, uh, you know, unexpected. So the, I take it that the plan B it's not B like alternative, but it's B like Bitcoin. Exactly. Okay. It's, so it's plan plan Bitcoin or plan crypto. Let's 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 call it. Okay. But you didn't want to All call right. it plan C. I get that. Plan B sounds better than plan C. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So this is interesting. So you guys started validating in the context of this Lugano, you know, Lugano summer school. Correct. Or is that where the idea was born for the validator? Um, correct. Uh, the idea was born actually from the uh, two co-founders of uh, Luganotes, um, Shubash and Anush, who had been, um, especially our CTO Shubash, who had been uh, very active in the crypto space way before, starting from 2017, also been very active in the um, in the Cosmos ecosystem, and this is where they, uh, their expertise uh, lied in, and they decided to um, join forces and start Luganotes, especially as they saw more demand for institutional-grade validation staking services, 
Um, and we can later touch upon what exactly institutional grade means. Um, but basically, they joined forces and they looked for a good starting point to, to accelerate, right? And this Lugano Plan B program was a perfect um, environment to kick off, especially because of this good um, support from the city, jurisdictional support, but also from from other close partners that were part of the of the program, right? Like as mentioned, the partners from the city, like Polygon, also Teva, right? Um, that were very good sparring partners and partners in this, uh, to start the the startup, so to say. So I think it was a very solid uh, start for Luganotes in that sense. I'm curious: is there some sort of special legal regime in the canton or maybe in the city itself that that you know makes somehow crypto safer to operate? Or are you guys operating in like a, sort of like a Swiss legal framework and it's you know, it's, it's all good over there? Um, so I'm not sure exactly about the, for example, tax situation. Um, Swiss is always very specific also depending on the canton. But, um, for example, having the city itself, right, being part of the program from the, from the city itself, not from a private entity or from, from a private company, but from the city, right, from the mayor itself, uh, who is participating in the crypto events. We have the next one in October. It's called uh, Plan B Forum in Lugano. Right. Uh, so this jurisdictional support is already a, st a strong security and insurance right for us as a as an operating business. So um, that's why that was one of the reasons why um, the co-founders of Luganots decided to um, kick off in Lugano, so to say. Sounds sounds really, really interesting. So let's let's focus on this you know topic institutional grade. So what does that mean and how did that you know affect your beginnings? Like what did you focus on to become an institutional grade? Like, what does it mean in your head? What are the steps that you've taken to, to become something like an institutional grade validator? Mm -hmm. So maybe to switch gears a little bit higher, uh, um, if it comes to staking validation, right? Um, a validator might think uh, of uh, from from which uh, groups they would like to um, get the delegations, right? For delegated proof of stakes, it could be let's say from the community, right? And that it would be more um, this validator could be more like a community-driven validator, could be more from institutions. Um, so, for example, crypto-native VCs, right? That um, hold in their portfolio crypto assets and they would like to stake could be also exchanges, centralized exchanges, right? That could, uh, that uh, would, that want to provide um, a earn or staking program for their users um, and could be also um, a normal banks, right? Financial institutions that, um, pr that uh, provide crypto services. Revolut, for example, is a good example um, that also would like to expand, of course, right? Besides just buying and selling and maybe give the user the possibility to stake. So first of all that and the validator could decide to let's say focus on institutions because they have special requirements when it comes to staking. I think first and foremost, I think especially this is um, important for also for the Cosmos ecosystem where we have a lot of, let's say um, community driven validators that may not be official businesses, right? With an official entity. And I think the first point is to mention that for institutions, of course, they have to have a you have to sign usually a, um, a normal uh, legal agreement with them with uh, certain SLAs that they require, for example, uptime uh, guarantee, liability, who's responsible when slashing event happens, what kind of slashing event happens. Is it the fault of the blockchain because it holds? Is it the fault of the institution? So they need to make sure to be prepared for the worst case scenario because the money that they stake is not theirs, right? VCs have limited partners in the back. The exchanges, this is the money of the users. So they must be prepared for these worst cases. So they must um, they must make sure that uh, the counterparty who, who they stake to, for example, 
uh, is liable to some certain degree for certain use cases. So it starts off to have an official uh, business as a, as a counterparty, and then it uh, starts to go deeper um, with that. So you guys started out, you know, um, sort of building out these contractual structures or understanding what sort of SLAs and what sort of, let's say, certifications these institutions would have very early on. Was it like, did you guys first build a, you know, first build the first server or did you guys first figure out, you know, how would we structure this business? What are we looking at here? What are these guys going to ask us if they are to stake with us, you know, significant amounts of money? Yeah, absolutely. It was both ways and fast, luckily, maybe coming back to the Lugano Plan B story. Um, we had, um, we, from the very beginning, we had a, um, inquiry, so to say, or a potential partnership with one of the, uh, biggest exchanges, uh, very popular one in, in, in Europe, but also around the world. Um, and basically these, this first potential client, right, of Luganotes, um, they were a very good sparring partner because they actually said, Hey, if you would like to work with us, we like your technical setup that you already showcased during plan B, right? The school. But this, this is what we need, A, B, C, D, et cetera, right? On the legal agreement, on the legal depart, on the legal side, but also more on the technical, technical side, liability side. So it was a very good drilling process for us that we kicked off actually not with the community or with anonymous delegators, but actually with a very serious big business uh, in exchange, right? That guided us in the right direction. And their requirements are usually a uh, very high standard and this is usually, you could say, enough for other potential clients that then followed. Interesting. I can see that NDA is part of the contractual agreements because you're not saying who the who the exchange is. <laughs> so yeah, it's part uh, of the game. Absolutely. Uh, so let's look at the uh, you know let's look at the operation side. I guess you know being institutional, uh, you have a particular way of picking you know new networks or new projects. Can you sort of elaborate? how you guys decide on you know what networks to join do you have some some you know testnet participation or do you have some process to identify these or does it come from the business side mm -hmm. absolutely so um first of all of course we also have an internal framework where we evaluate um, especially new projects right that may have not launched yet and we as Luganotes, even though we are institutional grade, and again we usually work with crypto native vcs and um, exchanges etc we still or let's say we, our culture is to also get involved as early on as possible in, in new projects and also be active, right? It could be not only governance, but also, especially during test nets, you have a lot of problems and bugs coming up. And uh, it, it happened already in the past where we identified problems, but also helped solving them with some locks, right? Also with some potential solutions that was proposed. Um, so this is what we actually, first of all, um, write on our flag, so to say, to be an active validator. And besides the usual uh, due diligence, let's say on a technical side, we also do a due diligence on the founders, right? What they have done in the past, where they're coming from. And of another, another critical aspect is, for example, to see who, the, who their backers are. Luganotes is bootstrapped, right? So we are big fans of bootstrapped protocols as well, right? But if there are certain um, investors and backers, right? Um, they could be a good sign as they have also their due diligence um, that this is a good, uh, a very promising project. So we put even more resources into it to do our further due diligence then. And another pros uh, another aspect to it is that um, many, the, the, the validator community in general, right? Um, it's There's always an active set, same like for Cosmos, where there are 180 validators. So it's not like a, it's not like a, a 
highly competitive business in that sense that either Bluger nodes win or Rockaway wins or, or, or Figment wins or another validator. But usually there's enough space for most of the validators, right, to do a good job. So sometimes we are also connected with other validators and sometimes we also um, ask the, our network, right, of, of our validators, of our infrastructure providers, if they have looked into it, right, what they have thought, what they think about it. So we also exchange information sometimes on a, on a not on a semi-private level, so to say, um, to ch to exchange um, our to exchange our insights, so to say, what we think, and to challenge ourselves. Makes a lot of sense. On the other hand, you know, let's not ignore the other side. I mean, if a client comes and says, "I have several tens of millions of crypto X Y Z, and I'd like to stake it," and you guys are not on this network. I mean, do you guys consider that or do you first need to sort of do, do your due diligence and then you open up a catalog and say, this is what we stake? Or is it also the other way around? That's, uh, I guess, what I'm asking. Yeah, it's, it's, always, um, it's always these these two balances, right, between the, the business opportunity, but also it must make sense uh, long term, right? Because, um, and this also happened to Luger Notes, I think once or twice, and I think to all the other validators as well, especially during the bear market. That it's always bad press and, and um, uh, you could say um, send lost costs where you started to validate and then you actually had to switch off right because of because of bad reputation because of some um, because the economics didn't make sense anymore um, because maybe the founders maybe there was a the in the worst case right there was a rug pull or something so it has also re big reputational risks so the fact that there might be um, a huge business opportunity in the short term, it's not a guarantee to get involved because you have to think long term and you have to make sure that you don't have any of these other risks that I just mentioned um, that could uh, hit your business. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's, it's My position is sort of with validators, reputation is everything, right? I mean, you need to really be yeah. careful and you're committing your reputation to and you're associating with the blockchain that you validate, right? In, in, in my mind, it's always not validation, not just producing blocks, but you're actually putting your stamp on the project. Like, I think it makes sense to be here uh, and to be part of this this blockchain. So, like, I, I welcome that you guys do heavy due diligence. Uh, I think that's uh, that's a really good uh, take on you know, picking picking your networks. Yeah, but let's say you know, yeah. Absolutely. Just to just to continue on that uh, thought, uh, Martin is also the, it's not the, only the validation, right? But also um, you as an active validator. What I mentioned before, sometimes, for example, Luger notes, and I think this is true for all, all the other validators as well, right? You maybe produce content, you announce your participation on your social medias, where you might have let's say a huge amount of followers, right? And also the institutions that you work with have an eye on you, which networks you support. So you make actually a lot of buzz and a lot of noise around the networks that you support, right? And then if it turns out that it was a, a rug pull or scam or in the worst case, right? So it, it, it doesn't get unnoticed. That's why you yeah. have to be careful. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we thought about, you know, we discussed joining and, and in some cases leaving. Um, what about serve operations? I mean, do you guys participate in governance? Have you guys ever floated, you know, proposals? Uh, have you guys, you know, talked to foundations about delegation programs? What does, you know, what does your life cycle when you're engaging with blockchains and you're actively editing look like? What's your main sort of, what, what are your main focuses? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when, when it comes to governance and voting, um, I think this comes back to one of the first points that we uh, discussed, uh, Martin, regarding what type of validator are you, right? To be very transparent, again, Luga notes as an institutional grade validator, um, we are, that's, thus it means we 
to be very transparent, right? We do not depend our priority on not the delegations from the community, which may be a little bit more sensitive to the fact if the validator is voting or not, is it active or not on voting, right? As we don't depend on it and we have a lot an institutional focus, um, we could definitely do a better job on voting and we are actively working on it. This being said, um, we as Luger Notes, right? We also sometimes we vote and we also publish our voting and explain also why. And we also publish it in, in social media, etc. But uh, definitely, um, for example, when it comes to Cosmos, where voting is very important, we as Luger Notes, again, being a uh, institutional great validator, um, there's definitely way of improvement when it comes to voting. So we could be ac more active there, to be fair. I do think the, the analysis of the proposal sort of like short form summaries indicating and plus sort of position, you know, making your position clear is very helpful to the discussions. I always see a lot of engagement on, on X, on Twitter, yeah. uh, under such posts. And it, I think it does help flesh out like what the intent is and whether it's well understood or not. So that's uh, it's super useful that you guys sometimes do that. Yeah, we track uh, voting, of course, uh, frequency uh, in, in the observatory. Uh, so we can have a look at uh, how you guys how you guys are voting. Absolutely. And what about what about delegation programs? Um, do you guys you know talk to foundations about delegation programs? Being an institutional validator, are those delegation programs still a big part of you know um, how you think about whether to join a project or not? Or do you sort of is your dependence let's say loose, or is this less important? Mm -hmm. um, definitely is nice, right? Especially in the um, I think this this touches a little bit upon the previous uh, point that um, for new projects is definitely important, right? And I think delegations also makes makes sense from protocol perspective, right? Because we have to be incentivized also to avoid this scenario that we mentioned where you switch off the nodes. Um, but it, it depends uh, how how new the project is because for us as an institutional grade validator, there could, could be a scenario when, let's say, an exchange, right, that we work with, um, they get involved in a, in a protocol and they basically also would ask us if we would be um, willing to spin up a node one uh, already after the project went live. So this is another part of our, let's say, due diligence, so to say, or our our framework, how we get involved in, in, in new net, in networks. So it's not only a new ones, right? Um, my personal opinion is that because of the last bull market, right, I think many validators um, staking was not as popular as it is now, right? So it was, in hindsight, looking, it was a very, very juicy uh, deal for most validators who picked the right chains, right? Because also the delegations may, may have been bigger and also the price appreciation. But then a lot of validators followed, right? And we have a lot of, which is a great, a great development, right? The more, the better. Um, but that's why also it's important to um, to make sure that delegations also make sense for each validator that's participating, even for institutional grade ones, right? We still have costs. We always run. A, we have we are bare metal operators, right? We always have a backup node running on a different location, right? To make sure we don't uh, we don't lose um, any uptime. Um, so we still have a lot of costs associated with it, and delegations is definitely a huge incentive for us also to to uh, dive deeper and uh, in the end of the day, get involved in testnet and move together to mainnet and beyond. Right. Um, okay. Um, understood. Let's uh, switch gears to, uh, let's switch gears to thinking about the wider Cosmos ecosystem. Bare Metal Podcast is focused on Cosmos. I know you guys are multi-ecosystem. You're you know, running nodes uh, in various, uh, in various different domains. Um, big news in Cosmos uh, right now is the liquid staking module. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I'm curious as to what you think, you know, the LSM, how, how the LSM will impact the Cosmos ecosystem. It change things or if you feel like it might be more of the same. Yeah, a super interesting um, development. I think the, I think this is the right way forward, especially um, after um, after um, Chapella for Ethereum, right, which is always the front runner and, and the big elephant in the room, right? Um, and I think attached to that, uh, the liquid staking solution that have a lot of TVL, right, and a lot of uh, use cases. I think Lido is first and foremost here to mention. Um, I think this is um, makes it more reassuring for other uh, ecosystems like Cosmos Run, right, to go the same path. Um, nevertheless, we might we might not forget, right, because liquid staking might be, let's say, the new kit, uh, cool kit on the block, so to say. But um, Okay, you 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 liquid stake your uh, atom, right? But then what, right? And this also is is has to be there have to be good DeFi good ways in in the sense of DeFi where you could use your liquid stake tokens because if you don't use them, then there's it's pointless, right? So the story doesn't end with the with the module, right? But it must go on. Absolutely, I agree. So I guess the question is. You know, where does the flywheel start? Like, do you feel that liquid staking and the availability of all these like liquid stake derivatives will sort of kickstart DeFi? Do you think that's going to create like a rise uh, rise of DeFi in Cosmos or do you feel it has to be somehow uh, the other way around? I don't know. It has to come from elsewhere and just having those liquid staking derivatives isn't really going to change things. I don't know if you have any opinions uh, on this side. Yeah, I think I think um, the, the time that we're currently in, right, and I think uh, it, it, it's a bear market for all of us, right. So it also doesn't help, right, to 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 bootstrap liquidity, etc. So uh, this this first of all to mention, um, but of course the liquidity for the DeFi project, right, where you could use the liquid stake tokens, they have to emerge first of all, they have to grow, and also as as individual stakers are, right. Um, you also you don't want to be the first um, who tries it out and it doesn't work, right? So you also have to have these innovators who using using it them, and then the early adopters, late adopters, etc. will follow um, too. While the the liquidity and the and the products for these liquid stake tokens, right, increase as well. So it will take some time, as as always, right? Um, so I'm I'm curious to see how it will go over the next six to twelve months, especially when potentially the the market will turn, hopefully. Um, but at the moment, I, I don't expect in the next till end of the year that magic will happen, right? And that we have a huge liquidity and a huge use cases, but it takes time step by step. Which brings me to a sort of wider point here. Um, how would you compare Cosmos to other ecosystems? I know that's that's a that's a big question, but what I'm simply interested in is sort of top of mind, right? I mean, if you think of Cosmos versus, I don't know, Ethereum or Postgres versus Polkadot, what are the things that come to your mind where Cosmos is like really different or somehow better or somehow, you know, needs to catch up? Um, so first of all, I think also when I talk to our especially engineers, right, um, and the feedback that I get internally and um, here at Luganauts, we are um, almost 30 people, right, is that when it comes to Cosmos, I think what they really praise is the good documentation. And even though we have a lot of um, chaos, right, and political discussions maybe uh, going on, but I think this is a good aspect, even if decisions take longer time, the community is very active, right? There's a lot of discussions, um, sometimes even refusals, right? Um, this, this shows that there's a li- livelihood. So this is something that we also like um, on, a, on, a, on a cultural level, so to say, this, this, this expression of own opinion. Um, the decentralization part, I mean, also the, the connection part with IBC um, is very interesting. And we see a lot of um, activity here as well. I think Composable Finance uh, with its 
um, with its with its current uh, proposal right to join the AEZ, who are connecting with the IBC to other ecosystems, um, is a good uh, is a good uh, example of that. Um, also, the fact that uh, on Cosmos it's very easy to vote on proposals. Um, it's very um, it's very favorable for for us as an infrastructure provider, and the tooling is very good um, compared to others. Um, so just to mention, um, Luganodes is uh, active on 25 chains, um, including some of them are Cosmos SDK based, right? Um, um, Cosmos Hub as well. But we also, for example, we did the uh, Genesis. Um, we were Genesis validator for Sui and Aptos, more of the prominent ones. Um, and for example, here it's very challenging, for example, uh, to calculate the rewards already, to ex the exact rewards. This takes a lot of resources as well, right? This simple basic thing. Um, is already challenging. Um, also, um, there are higher infrastructure costs for running these um, for running these two blockchains. Also, Solana is another example. There's, there's no it's all public information um, that it costs. It's it's a higher infrastructure cost uh, for these blockchains. So this these are something. These are some of the advantages of Cosmos that we personally uh, encountered, and that's why we, are, we we that's why we like to be involved in, in Cosmos from a technical perspective as well. Uh, those are interesting comments. I'm curious also from the institutional perspective, I guess, you know, it's always fun to have lively discussions, but don't your institutional customers sometimes come up and say, hey, you know, this, this, there seems to be a little too much chaos inside Cosmos. I feel uncomfortable, you know, having my token stake. Does that ever happen? Or is this sort of like an arm's length relationship? They just stake with you guys and just forget about the stake and, and uh, you know, just go on doing their business. Do you guys ever get sort of uh, you know, fallout from these, uh, you know, high DPS discussions? Uh, for Cosmos, no, actually not. Um, because I think, um, to, to, be, to be frank, right, and this is my impression, is that they also have um, other priorities, right? So I think it's no surprise if I say that some institutional investors may not follow the scene every day, right, being active in the forums and the proposals. Um, but sometimes we, of course, reach out uh, to them, not only for Cosmos, right, and if there's some important voting, um, we also based on the agreements that, that I mentioned in the, in the beginning, right? We would propose them the proposal, right? And then basically ask if they have an opinion on that, if they would like us to vote or ignore it. And this is also part, uh, part of the reason why, for example, institutional grade validators may not be as active because there are some legal agreements that also tie us to, let's say, not vote to avoid any, you know, reputational risk again. And this is commanded by, by the, by the clients in the back sometimes. By legal agreement. This sort of uh, answers the questions I, I was going to have, which is like, <laughs> do you guys ever have sort of interactions around not voting? Uh, so this yeah. makes total sense. I'm expecting some entities to be voting agnostic. And we also see a lot of this in the observatory sometimes. Uh, it's a combination of really large stake indicating an institutional validator, yeah. but the, the voting uh, activity is super low, even zero in some cases where it's clear that there is either like an obligation or just like a, you know, uh, an intent not to vote here because they don't vote pretty much uh, anywhere. But I guess that comes with being an institutional sort of validator, right? The money is not yours and you have clear contact with your delegators who are expressing yeah. their, their wishes to you guys. Absolutely, and again, you know, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not using this as an as an um, as an ex excuse, right? Uh, even institutional grade validators should ideally vote at least on the more important uh, votes, and we have internally really a program going on how we could improve it. And one of the first steps was to also publish our some of our votings and explain, right, to also get our uh, followership and our clients used to us voting. So put put us a little bit 
uh, in the in the front line, right? Um, to increase our voting. But again, there's a lot of room to improve for, for most of the validators, right? Um, especially the ones that are not community driven or community dependent, so to say. Um, and this governator role, right, that has been discussed is super interesting. I think even I'm, or we as a institutional grade validators, we all inside feel that it would make a lot of sense, right? Because the absence of voting is something that is, it doesn't feel right if you understand what I mean. So I'm, I'm very curious personally to see how this could evolve, uh, where these roles could be idea maybe split, right? And Yeah, it's a very interesting discussion. Uh, I'm yeah. curious on when, where the space is going to move here, because there are arguments for both sides, right? On one side is the specialization argument, where validators would be focused on infrastructure producing blocks, and then governators would be focused on the politics. On the other hand, it feels like if you're not doing the tech work, and you're not close to the infrastructure, like in, on some of those proposals... Like it feels like you know you really need this insight and you need to get your hands yeah. dirty to be able to go and, and vote and just say, say like hey should we add a you know smart contract platform on top of the chain or not like that's a that sounds like a technical question so for, for some proposals I, it does it does yeah. feel like it makes sense like you know you want to get the governors in the room have a large discussion and have them focus on it and just like work it out yeah. because it's maybe organizational or political. But yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where this discussion is is going to go. Uh, so I have one final question: like, what are what are the main projects you guys are excited about? Uh, you know, around Cosmos now, or even outside of Cosmos, actually. You know, mm -hmm. what are the things that you guys are keeping your eye on, where you're feeling like you know new interesting uh, projects will come? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So first and foremost, when it comes to um, Cosmos, um, uh, also a, a sort of an elephant in the room, right, with the DYDX, um, with the recently announced uh, version 4. And also from a perspective of uh, validators, right, so um, we also have common groups with all the other validators, and uh, they are very, uh, basically all the professional validators, not only them, but also um, other serious validators, right, and it, it really increases the bar, right? So I think this is super interesting from a background, from a validator perspective, but of course also from a development of, of the of the project. So DYDX definitely. Then right now with the liquid staking module in general, this is huge news, right? Because it's 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 very specific, but it's not too specific. So most most um, people in the ecosystem can start using it even and also uh, understand the concept, right? So I think these are the things that move the ecosystem forward. So this was definitely also um, very interesting for us. Um, besides that, in general, um, we also um, are the implementation partner for Polygon ZKEVM, for example. So we also take a look at the layer twos. I think Aleo is also interesting to mention, um, but there are also other layer two, specific layer twos launching that are using, for example, Polygon's um, uh, CDK. Uh, chain development kit, right? So layer twos, uh, ZK, uh, ZK um, chain layer two solutions are for Luganol specifically also very interesting um, besides the um, the other uh, project that I just mentioned, for example, DOID Exos tried. Sounds super interesting. So uh, here's wishing the best of luck to you guys. Hope you all the success in the future and I hope Lugano stays aligned with crypto. That's really amazing to hear. It was, I have to look this up online. Absolutely. Uh, that's pretty amazing. So finally, thanks for coming on, Max. It was a great discussion and hope to have you here again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Martin. Bye.